0: by Everyday Eternal, number 89. See, fuck, I, I've even fucked it up in German. No, Matt, I can't do this. M- <laughs> go, Matt go begged me, like, on his knees, he begged You're me devil, to, do the <laughs> <laughs> to do the the intro in German, but I really can't do it because German is like, like for all the great things about the German language, uh, we are really bad with numbers. We are not as bad as, for example, the Danish or, or, like, we don't even talk about the French, but English hasn't figured out when it comes to numbers. Catcher event
1: desuite.
0: Come on! Yeah, yeah. Like yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Four times twenty plus eighteen. Like what? Fr- French is so weird.
0: Yeah, the, the people who were born after born after the year nineteen ninety nine, they probably like never heard about the horrors of saying your birthday in French when <laughs> when you have to like make all these calculations. They're just like I don't know. It's probably like deux mille or something. I don't even speak French. So yeah, German, German fucks it up because we don't say ninety eight. We say eight and ninety. Like, how oh, hard is it to, to put together a system where you just properly count your numbers spelled out? Like, I don't even get it. Anyway, today's episode is brought to you by our two latest patrons, Jake and Gary. Thank you so much for that. And I'm here tonight with my co-hosts, Callum from the UK and Mr. Matt from a specific island. Guys, how's it going? Can we please appreciate the technology that lets all of us congregate together during these... Tri- uh, uh, okay, uh, how often has trying times been used in an email? Like, I don't know, in my business emails, I'm like, oh, I hope this email finds you well and everything is right during these trying times. Like, c- come on, fuck off. Let's just like talk like real people. Let's <laughs> yeah. not talk like email people. I,
2: I, I do have
0: to do some emails like
2: that when I'm introducing myself to a new company or or client or um, whatever. But generally, I, I cut that kind of talk off pretty fast. I'm just like, hey, this needs to be done. And uh, that's it. Yeah, usually
1: so. <laughs> in the military, it's like, you shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> <Comma>. <laughs> I want to get this done. With this needles. needs to be done now, or this needs to be done
0: yesterday. Sincerely, fuck you. Anyway, yeah, that, that's certainly a cultural difference when it comes to that, um, and also like which I, I guess industry you're working on. Uh, because in, in in tourism, it's also very casual and laid back, and would probably like be considered weird if you if you put on like too much of that kind of talk. But for example, when I talk to my colleagues in, uh, in Denmark or Sweden. I also feel like it's it would come across colder to some people, but it really isn't. It's just like the way they do it, and I, I like that. But yeah, that's. I, I wonder if that also translates uh, translates to how people communicate. And during, you might have heard of paper magic, that thing, if it ever comes back. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't understand
2: what you mean. What's what's paper?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the thing. They, they, they apparently somebody created a game that's modeled after Magic Online. I, uh. I don't know if it's going to be successful.
2: I guess it'd be kind of cool because people might uh hold more attachment to real things it might catch on
0: (laughs) yeah and speaking of um, real attachment to things uh matt have you already bought into nfts non-fungible tokens
1: that sounds ridiculous so no no i have not
2: (laughs) julian's been so into this recently uh... what
1: what in the heck are you even talking about please
0: i'm gonna laugh at you either way so please tell me And then I will laugh at you. You don't know what that is? You really Um, don't know what that is? I have no idea. Okay, we we probably shouldn't spend too much time on this, um, because, yeah, that's not even a different episode, that's a different podcast.
1: I feel like it's now you're going to explain it to, like, a 75-year-old man. Go.
0: The guy who created Twitter recently sold his very first tweet for a couple hundred thousand.
1: Why would you want to sell a tweet that occurred in the past?
0: You can sell anything. Uh, I think that the thing that really made it popular is the MBA because the MBA they started selling the certificates that you own certain famous dunks or plays in the NBA. What? But that's Get the fuck yeah. out. That's like buying a star. That's <laughs> such bullshit. See, that's the best way to think of. It. <laughs> that's like when you buy one of those. You know, I'm a Scottish nobleman because I paid five hundred dollars to whatever organization sells these titles. Yeah, that. I mean, it. it it's a really really deep thing to understand but at the core it's about monetizing people's desire to brag. People yes, want yeah. to Yeah, people want to own something they want to prove ownership. Um, I mean, it's been a thing with, for example, I don't know if you've ever heard of Rare papers, which it used to be a meme like Pepe the Frog. And then people started selling JPEGs of Pepe the Frog, which is like hilarious because you can just like, if, if somebody puts it for sale on eBay, then you can just like copy that JPEG, right? And then you have the image file. But the difference is with NFTs, there's a certain number of certificates that are traded, for example, through a blockchain, but technically you could do it any other way. And they say that you... "Quote unquote," own this, and the, the most important thing is you don't own the media rights or anything to it. You literally only know, only own that in thing. In the sake of name,
1: yeah, in the sake of name, it, that's it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, as long as people like, it's basically like fiat currency. As long as people buy into that, you you can trade that, and people have pay been paying insane amount of money for that. And oh my god, <laughs>
1: I
2: feel the same. It's it's a good way to uh, money launder, though. You can uh, send people loads of money for a little certificate, easy.
1: <laughs> and then can you resell that certificate, and you've nicely washed your money. Not that anyone yeah, I'm listening f- to this podcast no, would ever do that. No one would do that. No,
2: no, no,
0: no. I just want to say, I'm all for any kind of technology that lets people with too much money part with their money and give it to people who might have better use for it than spending it on MBA dunks and tweets and stuff. So yeah, that's I'm, that's something uh, that happened. God, recently. This is frustrating. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> state of the world.
0: Yeah. What have you been, what guys been up to lately, Matt? What have you been doing? Honestly,
1: not a ton, just working, just drilling and filling and sticking needles in arms
0: and sticking needles in mouths and it's been good. You like needles, I I get it. I I could probably cut this for you to sound like an heroin addict or something.
1: You probably
0: probably could. (laughs) But uh, no, honestly,
1: uh, oh, I've been buying German Time Spiral Remastered Staples. I can tell
0: you, We, we will talk about that in a moment.
1: So, but that's what I've been up to. Julian, what about yourself?
0: Uh, I've actually been working out a lot lately. Uh, I, I decided I kind of want to lose weight again, and yeah, I've just been been uh, since you can't really go to a gym or something. I just heavily cut back on what I'm eating, like n- nothing special, like and prison workouts in your bedroom in not in my bedroom but my living room but it's it's kind of prisony, workouty workout uh, with like weights and stuff but that's really just t- to feel good about myself Um, more in the sense of like hey I-, I feel super exhausted when i feel exhausted i feel good but i've lost something like five kilos six kilograms in the first 10 days that's good so that that's been working really well for me it's like insane like i can go down insanely quickly and i can go up insanely quickly i, I hope we-, we-, we keep it going down
1: Nice. Are you flossing? The real question is: Are you flossing every night before bed, Julian?
0: No, I'm flossing every day after. No, that's also a bad answer. I'm just fucking not flossing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bad answer. (laughs) Isn't that a scam? Big floss coming at us.
2: Matt, you're gonna wake up and Matt's like under your bed with a a floss and a needle. Just like, which one do you choose, Julian?
0: That's That actually is the choice. <laughs> I used to date a dentist, and she's been going on about flossing too, but I... I, I mean, I even bought the, equi- the equipment. <laughs> for a, I, I, a-, a piece I of never flossing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying,
1: kids, and by kids I mean listeners, floss more that's all I have to say
0: maybe we can get some kind of floss flossing sponsorship or something if, if you oh my god big floss could you
1: imagine if like gum or like oral b or something would sponsor our podcast Jesus we'd be we'd be rolling in it <laughs> that floss money man <laughs> yeah. i'm assuming we'd have to like yeah. take on the floss and then send it to the listeners i'm assuming there have to be some
0: sort of product placement yeah. deal
1: but I could do must it must be I could
0: do it. Yeah. Well, what's the, Isn't that like the, the $1 shave club? Yeah, we, we can be the $1 floss club or something. Mm, I think we have to go lower. I'm pretty sure floss is not that expensive. So. <laughs> well, we, it's all about the marketing. You know, production costs are going to be like 1%, 99% is, is going into marketing. For example, like sponsoring podcasts. <laughs> we can re- hey, call rename you. ourselves
2: the Flossed Boys.
0: Floss yeah. boys. Callum, <laughs> what have you been up to? <laughs> um,
2: I've been actually like... So we're quite lucky over here in the England. England, The um, vaccine rollout is going very well. And we actually have a roadmap to kind of start opening up pretty soon, like in the next couple of months, Ooh. which is looking quite positive. So um, off the back of that, I am just getting incredibly excited for Paper Legacy again. Um, so much so that a few months ago, I started selling some pieces. I, I wanted to, like, downsize quite significantly. And I sold some things I regretted. And so classic me, I started to buy lots of it back. and At um, higher prices. Some of them yes, some of them no, and some of it I just needed just to like trim down anyway. So it's not it's not too bad. But um I've been like just buying a lo load of paper cards again and building complete decks. Like I'm on a massive painter kick right now. i d I'm just like it's always it's always been a deck I've loved and now I've just thought I wanted a deck for our uh, like we, we have Weekly Legacy in London and I don't want to play like a try-hard deck. Um it's kind of a bit boring, and I can play that online anyway. I don't want to like play something that's too janky. That's always going to lose. I wanted to find but something that has like replayability, uh, interesting games, and it's pretty solid as well. And Painter is just like, first of all, such a sweet deck. Like it's just so cool for me. And two, it f- ticks all the boxes. Like there's so many ways to build it as well. So, and griefing um, your
1: opponents is always great. Oh,
2: great value. I play. I played three leagues this morning, I've played like seven leagues over the last two days. And this morning I got like someone to go turn one Ayavugin, turn two Eldrazi Temple after I played the turn one painter, and they tap it and add the two Eldrazi mana to the mana pool uh. and then untap it, and then tap it. And yeah, if if that's the griefing, I wanna grief all day, every day. And um, No,
1: no, no. You wanna go turn one blood moon pass and they're just like Oh yeah. Ugh.
2: I, I have been doing the Blood Moon thing as well. And you know what? In the past, I was always like, oh my God, these turn one Blood Moon players. But, you know, I'm appreciating it. It's um, <laughs> it's also nice to have a deck where like um, this deck against Delver and against like the blue control decks and stuff, you really, really grind. And it's so cool. There's so many intricate like plays and stuff. And the games go to like turn 10 very often. And you're grinding by like Imperial Recruiter for Imperial Recruiter and stuff. Um, but then... Sometimes you just like yeah, turn one blood moon or you like combo on turn two as well. And so again, that's a deck that has loads of replayability because it's so different. So yeah. I've been like sitting with this deck at, at this desk at my desk and just like gold fishing it to myself while I'm playing online as well. Like while I'm waiting for someone to like join the queue, I'm just like goalfishing the deck. You're so. just like
1: tapping down your Korean grindstones and like <laughs> taking them out and I
2: have to say it's all English, I'm afraid. Sorry, Matt. I know I know your standards it's British. are high.
0: It's not English, it's British. It's British. Yeah. Well, at least it's Although, in British. I'll, I'll take Yeah. It, it, it doesn't say all, target all, all player, nice it says target lad.
2: <laughs> target lad. Target lad mills two cards if they share the same card. If they have the same, um, the beer type, whatever. I don't know. If they're both Guinness, you mill more, two more. Well,
0: They probably use spell color right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it's the ah. right way,
2: which is C-O-L-O-U-R. But anyway. So, yeah, um built Painter. I've also built um, Death and Taxes and Goblins because they're pretty easy to switch together. And then I actually sold Force of Wills, which is kind of... I, I jumped off a deep end thinking, you know, I really want to get away from what I always play, which is Force of Wills decks in paper anyway. And um, I, have, I have bought some back. <laughs> so I'm going to build... But Force of Wills aren't that like
1: expensive back. anymore, are they? No,
2: they're not too bad. They're not too bad. I remember so I'm
1: gonna $20 build like a Force of Wills. That, that was... Dude, good that's... Idea.
0: That's yeah. exactly the price. That that was the Definitely high end of Legacy. Be. $20 Forsacall, $20 Underground Sea, and then the that 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 was basically where Legacy ended. And then you had Mode at 35, but nobody played Mode. And yeah. then technically you had Imperial Recruiter and Ravages of War at 125, but nobody played <laughs> those either. Yeah. And, and Strategic Planning, which also nobody played. <laughs> it's, it's, also, it's so
1: funny because it's it's weird how cards have gone up but also stayed a little bit relevant to each other. Cause I recently traded away. I had an extra beta Savannah lines, which I bought for $50 back. I don't know how many years ago. And now they are like $600. So I was like, man, I, I want to get rid of this thing, but like the market on somebody wanting to actually pay you $600 cash on a beta Savannah lines, small market. But I found a, a friend of mine in the States was like, Oh, I'm looking, I'm, I'm building at least a partial beta set and I'd be interested to trade. And I, so I ended up trading it for like an, in the eye of chaos, Plus uh, Sylvan Library, Legend Sylvan Library, plus a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, man, back in the day, if I traded a $50 beta Savannah Lions, those other, like, Sylvan Library would have been 20 bucks, And in the IO Chaos, I remember paying, like, $25. So, like, it actually worked out to be equivalent, just like 10 times the price in the future. And I <laughs> yeah, was like, it's cool is...
2: if you have them ready. Yeah.
1: I'm like, this is fucking sad.
2: But yeah, yeah.
0: I guess it works like that for obscure cards. Yeah. How does but. one have an extra beta Savannah Lions? I was, <laughs> I was actually about place? to say,
2: but. It was like, how do you get to that point where you're just like, oh, I've got all my white weenie decks with all my beta Savannah Lions. I'm going to... It's a long victory. <laughs> yeah.
0: That, that was actually one of the best things that came um, from the whole Lurus era when, when we got Mox Amber, And yeah. for a very short moment, that mono white deck with Mox Ember was playable. Uh, Mox Amber was playable. That was, like, really cool.
2: Yeah, that, that player, uh, Marco, Italian guy, who is, like, MM17, I think, on Twitter and Twitch and stuff, he he's been like he's a fantastic brewer if anyone's like looking out for more people to kind of follow and look into and stuff Um, yeah I think it's just mm underscore 17 on twitter and um, he's been playing like a really cool kind of blue red Delver deck so with the usual suspects but he's been playing like straight up counter spells and um, Bone Crusher Giants and Brazen and. oh I want to play Bone
1: Crusher Giants so bad oh
2: that card that card is very good I think like I want to
1: play like red green plug that's what I want to play just brief (laughs) people with like clothas and bone crusher giant
0: blood moon oh sign me the fuck up
2: you also get all the all the spirit guides.
0: Doesn't that deck actually have a name in modern? Because the deck used to exist in modern. I'm, I'm it's, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's,
2: it's called Ponza, but it's It's, yeah, it's, it's evolved because they used to play. It's like a kind of Arbor Elf Utopia Ball deck, but it's evolved from playing all the Blood Moons and Pelagias and Stone Rains, and now it's just like it's gotten so many good threats that it's just a beatdown deck with some. Like it it changes between Blood Moon and whatever. Like it doesn't yeah, always I play them w- in the main. I deck just want to
1: th- so, yeah. I feel like I want to play. Some, maybe um, some hasty
2: dragons and shit like
1: yeah like i want to play like a like before you'd probably play um oh what's the, the bloody bringer what's what's the uh the red the blood moon deck oh shit dragon soppy dragon, Dra- dragon yeah like i feel like i want Are to you have dragon met? i I it's been a long time. okay Come on, um, I feel like I, I feel like I want to play Dragon Stompy, but it's like I also want to play Sylvan Libraries, and then it opens a whole new world. And like Clothis seems like a good card. Anyway, that's I want to mix yep. those together, and then that just could like,
2: work definitely. And
1: play.
0: It's, it's funny you, ma- you you mentioned Marco because I, I feel there's a lot of innovation coming out of Italy these days. But since like the streams are usually all Italian and the content is also usually rather Italian doesn't always make it to like the international stage because i think true hero has also been rather innovative is that how you say it <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. in in pioneering a devilish uh, a blue black shadow right he yeah. i think if i recall correctly he doesn't play devil which is he so doesn't. weird considering everybody the, else does right the
2: deck has almost always played delver but there's definitely been variants without it um obviously when before Delva was printed but um I, did, I know in my group like when Death Shadow was kind of on the fringes and before it got like very popular after the the um, Legacy PT the Team PT um, before that I know that there, there were some players I knew without playing Delver because they just said you know it opens you up to Pyroblast and it just makes you weak to like the lightning bolts when you can just actually just play five fives plus and stuff so in theory it makes sense now they have the Whale which is, is opens itself up to the exact same removal I just said but it is more of a late game threat and it plays so well with discard spells that that's fine so. Yeah, I mean, I think people need to explore it more. People are always defaulting to the Delver Shadow lists, but True Hero just keeps winning with it, so,
0: yeah. Dude, I hate the whale so much. I hate it so fucking much. You saw my Twitter screenshot where I have yeah. four fucking abrupt decays, and the whale <laughs> keeps hitting at me, whale, whale, whale. <laughs> I hate it so fucking much.
2: Well, it's the fixed arcanist, so your reaction is the same reaction you'd have to arcanist. But you can't decay it, obviously, but um, it's it's fair. It comes down to turn three or four, and you need the graveyard and stuff. It doesn't just keep going. You need to choose the spells already.
0: Like right before the challenge, where the I faced the whale again. I literally was thinking maybe I should cut like one or even two of these Abrupt Decays and play Assassin's trophy just because of Whale. And I mean also the splash damage that you get against Dark Depth decks and stuff. And eventually I ended up playing um, Meekstone. But the problem with Meekstone is these blue-black decks, they now have Brazen Borrower. And they can just like bounce the Meekstone and still kill you. And that's that's just not cutting it. Even though overall I think Meekstone still deserves a spot if you want to hit on these kind of diver decks. But it's tough man it's tough
2: yeah very much so
0: speaking of awesome stuff uh, Timesperm Remastered has been released and I think you guys already got a ton of stuff right Matt, Matt um, I, since you were sending everything through me to, to yeah, Canada or New Pacific may, I, Island I, I may have ordered all the good things um, and none of the bad things
1: <laughs> So and then
0: some extra yeah you ordered all the good things and some extra So and Tangible
1: time, Virtue time
2: 8 Vanquish's Banner Yep.
1: yeah no. Um some slivers. I, I ordered Knights, I ordered some slivers, I ordered decay I ordered Pride Mages, I ordered True name Nemesis, which is coming, uh Chalice of the Void, which is coming, I ordered Thought seizes. I ordered Ponders, I ordered all the good shit. See, and... I'm I've
2: I've got two boxes which I've, I've opened already. I, I I'm gonna be ordering the like the bits and pieces I didn't get that I want as well, but um i don't know i still have that really stupid youthful like joy of cracking packs i just love it and i haven't done it in so long because i would draft once a week when everything was open again and so just the excitement of like having a box and things you want inside that's actually very rare to get for people that play like legacy mostly and stuff but this <laughs> one like i actually am excited to open a thought season or something and god damn the thought Seas look so good i got one in the second box and they just look absolutely incredible so yeah, had to just like crack them open. I've saved them in the packs to draft with friends afterwards. And um, oh, that's my, cool. Yeah, definitely gonna do either drafts or seals or whatever. You can you can do stuff with even if the packs are already open and you looked inside. But um, my boxes were not too great. I got like yeah, as I said, a thought seas and a few other bits and pieces. The foils were um, an anger of the gods and an intangible virtue. Very exciting stuff. Um, I think that's where the real money is. But anyway, it was <laughs> it's just really it's just such a fun intangible <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not not a thought. These already a Chalice of the void.
0: Can, can we quickly talk about the prices because it's actually insane, what especially yeah. the foils cost. I've, I've seen like foil ponders and thoughts. These is like four hundred, six hundred, eight hundred dollars, like for, yeah. for a single foil copy. Holy fucking shit! Is that more to expensive than the our... original Lorwin? Yeah, way like way way for more. Yeah. Let me look yeah. up the original Lorwyn. Yeah, let me actually look that up while you guys say something smart. I,
2: I was I, I was talking to. Uh, the main store, open, uh, the, the, the main TO in the UK that was actually now, I was talking to Francois who runs it a few days ago and we we're talking about prices and I wanted to order some things and I was telling him what I wanted so that if people sell them in, he can uh, put them aside to me. And um, he said, oh, wow, I just opened a foil ponder in one of the sets because they're still opening more because everyone's buying it apparently. Everything is going very fast. And he's like, okay, well, you know, this is here if you want it. It's going to be about 350 pounds, which is like many, many dollars. And then by the time I'd gotten back to him, like replying saying, "Oh no, luckily I don't buy foils," he was like, "Yeah, never mind, it's gone already." Like they put it on the website and it went within ten minutes, like for three hundred and fifty pounds. Like, these things are expensive.
0: Like sweet baby Jesus, that's a lot of money. To, to give you an idea, Matt, um, the original Lovin printing and foil goes between one hundred and fifty and two hundred euros, whereas the uh, the really nice one, the old frame one, goes for around six hundred euros.
1: Holy each. cow! That's 600? yeah, that's pretty expensive. I mean, don't get me wrong, they look amazing.
2: They don't look 600 euros, though, to me. That, no, so I much. agree. Like, here's yeah. the
1: thing. Like, I have my Russian Lorwyn copies, and now I have German Time Spiral remastered. Like, I I think I'm good. Like, I think at this point, I'm done. <laughs> I've got eight Thoughtseizes. They're all the good printing. I think I'm good. I think if you want to go foil, go nuts.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's clearly a market for this stuff. I mean, although the... the supply is quite small this is why the supply i think is a lot lower than what people expected so that's why we're seeing like this big rush for the prices to go up and stuff but um the fact that like things are selling at this price it it means there is a market like this is the first kind of product wizards have put out where it has such a high premium from the get-go and there are people with that kind of money and they just want that collectible thing as long as it's going to stay that price which seems pretty likely it's not really a bad investment if you have the money spare. So it's kind yeah. of interesting that Wizards could set this bar- barrier so high.
0: But I guess it's, it's it remains to be seen whether there's really going to be a market because I think right now people are buying and holding on to it. And then when it comes to selling, right, then I, I mean, there's probably going to be a ton of people who will want those. But it's actually crazy. I, I just opened Card Market. Um, thankfully, it's running again. And one of the stores has 281 booster boxes Just like One Star, Magic Barcelona. Holy shit, what are those guys doing? How much money is that? Mm, Yeah.
1: Well, at 300-ish dollars a piece now, they've gone up quite a bit. So I guess the question is, are they gonna be making more of it? I think that's the big driver of the price, right? And I personally think, here's how they could play it, right? You could obviously, they could either be doing a couple of things, right? They have a first printing and they're kind of not giving us the details about the second printing. Or there definitely is no second printing, and they have released all supply that they have, and that's it. Or they have printed a bunch, and they've done a first wave, and they're holding back a second wave. No, I think that's printing. the most
2: likely. They, that that's a very common thing they do. So I'm, I would be very surprised if they hadn't done that. But I think the second wave will still be small, and it'll be one small supply in total.
0: So um, Mark Rosswold was actually asked about this on uh, on his block, I guess. And he kind of gave somewhat of a an cryptic answer. And people interpreted that to mean that they're not gonna make more of this one in the for foresee- like in the next year or two or something. But be- because he basically said, oh, it's always hard to find the sweet spot between printing enough and not overprinting. And because the original question was about that they printed way too few, and he kind of acknowledged that. But Gavin Verhey, who was basically the driving force behind getting these old frame printings, he already tweeted about that he's absolutely overwhelmed with the response they've gotten to this product. And he seems to be very, very, very much in favor of having something like that again in the future. Now, we don't know whether that means we will get more thought ceases or chalices, or whether they are going to be entirely other kinds of products. Because, they, of course, there's there's still stuff like, you know, Green Sun Senate. Like, the very fact that they didn't bring, uh, print Green Sun Senate from the very first moment made me think, okay, they are already considering doing something like this again. Yeah. Because if you yeah, print this... You. And I'm, I'm not even talking about Legacy, where it's like a very key card. It's, like Life from the Lim- loam 2. I,
2: I mean, imagine they do the, the newer fetches. Like, they will just go yeah. crazy. People will go absolutely nuts for, like... The, yeah. the Sculling Tarns in Old Border holy crap
0: especially the EDH crowd right that, that, that's why yeah. I, I'm, I've been thinking about um, greenside Sun because that must be one of the most popular spells in, green, in EDH like ever so I'm very positive that, that we're gonna see more of the old frames I don't know yeah. w- whether they're gonna reprint those thoughtsies and stuff but they, they would be crazy not to right if exactly. I was working at Wizards and I would I, w- I would see that people pay like by then probably like a thousand for for a foil thoughtsees, I would be like dude I want in on that we're gonna reprint that shit
2: Maybe do you think they make more money by like just reprinting more of this stuff or by not and building up the hype and selling more of the next one?
1: I think I, mean, the they biggest, can do both. I think I the biggest so. way to make the most money is to do a large printing and hold back because then you can leak supply out at the higher price. It's like yeah, it's like selling on your way up in the stock market, right? You're like, well, this thing is going up and I could definitely dump everything at peak or we see where the market goes and release a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and, little bit and then you maximize where you're at. I personally believe what's coming up in two years, guys, 30th anniversary, right? That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I Reserve wonder, list. I wonder, <laughs> no, it's not happening. I wonder <laughs> if they may decide like, hey, we've got two years out. Maybe we will do another printing and to celebrate... Maybe they will reprint other old cards that aren't on the reserve list in this sort of format.
2: Yeah, could happen because like the old the the last time shifted stuff, which actually, out of curiosity, I looked up the old um, time shifted stuff from the first Time Spiral set. Wow, there were some stinkers. It was mostly stinkers. So we, uh, this was like a complete overhaul of how it was done. Like we were getting stuff like Leviathan, which is obviously a cool card, but. And, like, literal, <laughs> literal Squire was in the old um, time-shifted stuff. and many oh,
0: That was amazing. I had a full copy of that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, it's quite a difference to how they did this new one. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I think they're going to make a new set. And I, I think it's actually incredibly likely they'll do another like batch of this. But I'm not sure about reprinting this same one. So, for me, I, I think I'm going to grab another couple of boxes and probably sit on them for a bit and see where it goes
0: a couple of boxes dudes i mean in europe there I, I only want to get like english or maybe german ones and there are 200 right now
2: mm-hmm. there there are 150 pounds in the uk which it's not too bad I don't know. Maybe it's roughly the same.
0: Yeah, that's probably like a little less than. Yeah. Can can you buy them like directly from a shop so you don't have to pay shipping? That that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because like I I see the cheapest ones over here are from Italy. And if I order from Italy, I pay like 30 or 40 um, euros. I'd plan
2: to just, I'd plan to open them down the line, probably just draft with friends. But I think the prices of these cards are just going to stay high. So the value of the box probably won't go lower even when you open it. So it's a good reason to just get someone draft in a pub with friends (laughs) later
0: awesome awesome so yeah it's really cool that those are also are on magic online i know one of our uh, listeners Testacular, already got all you know the the abrupt decays the thought seizes, everything he needs for elves reclamation sage which is kind of almost making a comeback in in legacy right now so yeah his deck looks really really nice Mm -hmm. you could post up the picture of
1: the big brick of stuff that you uh you got for me including the weird slivers you ordered the slippers are going in meat hooks, okay? We've talked about this. Oh, who would have thought that? <laughs> <laughs> we've, talked, <laughs> we've talked about how the fact I'm building meat hooks, and I'm doing it in an all-Korean old border as much as I can, and there's going to be Korean wastelands, and it's going to be amazing. we talked about this. <laughs> oh,
0: okay, it, it, it's going to be great. I, I really can't wait, Matt. To, to, we, we're all going to be there for the 100K. Like, Calum, I don't, I don't know if you're coming. I think you you haven't yeah, said anything yet.
2: I will. Um I don't want to promise because stuff can happen, but I have a yeah, ticket sure. for it. Um, I don't
1: see and, why not. And when is it October or is it July? I can't remember. October third. Yeah. It's the yeah. day
0: after my birthday.
1: So i I tentatively would say that I am definitely going to go, unless the military says no, the pandemic's not over, you're not allowed to travel yet. Then, yeah. then I can't go. Right. So it
2: seems it seems very likely that a majority of people will be vaccinated by then. Things will be going going ahead um just don't want to curse it by saying definitely 100% but um plan to and I'm very excited
0: i guess in europe and, and north america it's not looking so good and at least no. kenya it's looking really bad in kenya right now we just closed down the entire country pretty much except for foreigners you can still come and spend your money <laughs> which was <is> like <laughs> october I mean, yeah. is a
2: very long time away though so i think we That's true that's yeah. true
0: that's true so We, basically for this episode, we send out a call for questions. It's, It's not a real mailbag episode. I think we might do one of those in the future, for this one, we hit up our Discord, we hit up our Twitter, at EternalMTG if you want to follow us and contribute to the ever-growing Twitter account full of, well, there's not memes yet, but maybe we should post memes. Do you want memes? I think memes are pretty popular if you want to advertise anything. <laughs> and a lot of us, you got back to us. Susan asked questions about Legacy. Nobody had questions about the Wig Kebab, even though it recently featured on one of Pleasant Kenobi's streams um, after we've been <laughs> pushing it. Like that That's the only real sponsor- sponsorship we have. The city it blows my mind has. that people don't
2: want to hear about it more
0: there we are yeah you know once the pandemic gets better i'm gonna come and we're, we're gonna to travel to north england and i'm gonna have a vegan kebab oh yeah
2: with, yeah with well, well you have said as soon as soon as it opens up again i'm gonna be like jumping back into arranging events and stuff Cool. we're gonna look into doing coverage as well there's a new shop opening up which wants to host us so there's oh, a really? chance there's a chance that we can put it on a video and stream it i don't want to like say differently yet there's a lot of things that need to go right for that to happen but anyway for the first ones yeah you said you want to come over so we can do some like live blogging and Wigan kebabs and legacy back
0: <laughs> oh that's gonna be amazing so to jump into the questions we re- received one comes from one of our loyal listener dino cat best question by far i want to say <laughs> what are you guys enjoying the most as of right now I
2: i'll jump say... in quickly just to, oh. to put it quickly as i've been enjoying Painter, as i said before playing at loads so we can get me done easily and quickly and uh, Matt can tell you about Korean Slivers.
1: I mean, again, because I haven't been doing much playing, right? Again, as as I've said, I am putting together a lot of decks and I am finally completing the holes in my collection, like finally building up Sneak and Show. Ten years too late. Um, building Meat Hooks, uh, putting Jund uh, Nickfit back together, trying to play Dragon Stompy. I will also put Painter back together. I, I did... Enjoy a little strawberry shortcake myself. Back in the day, Um, I do love me some Enlightened Tutor, um, some humility, some moat. So that's what I'm gonna do. And honestly, I think I'm probably gonna play Enchantress again. I think I'm gonna pull it out, and I'm gonna crush people with Destiny Spinner, and it's gonna be amazing. That card is so good, pretty decent. Yeah, and Nether
0: Void. I'm also gonna play a bunch of Nether Voids and just fuck.
2: Oh, so you're gonna make it worse but sweeter. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> I was <gonna> say. exactly. <laughs> you know what we should actually have? We should have a deck that has Alisar, Shepard and Nether because then you can just like play straight through the Nether Void. Yeah, but Destiny Spinner really gonna be good. is
1: your stuff can't be countered, right? So you can also oh that breaks as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that,
0: that's the two mana Shepard then. Oh, actually, is it, no, it's three mana. I don't even it's remember. It's two mana, but I remember that it's got it's two mana. Okay, it's it's basically broken. That's what we're saying. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And for me, yeah, I've been enjoying Elves quite a lot. Um been playing it in a couple of challenges and in the, what's it called, showcase, quali- no, showcase challenge, Tricking which challenge. is basically the thing that qualifies you for an even bigger thing. And eventually you end up and you get the Nobel Prize or something. That It's really convoluted. But I got drum Drumroll ninth place. Mm. They, <laughs> it was Good. a really big event, had something like 308 players. I uh, really enjoyed myself. Uh, I think we played 10 rounds. I finished eight and two. Uh, had a shot, didn't get there, but yeah, the deck felt really good. I only got roughly stumped by Eldrazi in Texas because they're playing this flying Either Swan Cannonist that makes, like, it doesn't even make sense. They played in the main deck. I mean, that part makes sense, really? but to me, it's, it's so good against me. What a fucker. And, I mean, that happens. And then I lost a really close one to Rock Delva. And for the other matches, I think every other match I faced some kind of Delva or Delva esque deck, you know, like Shadow. And those made for some real good magic. I. I Enjoy playing against Starva, as long as there's nothing stupid going on, like you know, Dreaded Ar- Arcanist or Treasure Cruise and stuff. So yeah, I've been I've been enjoying all my elves matchups lately. I've also been enjoying elves against uh Dark Depth a lot lately. Uh that there, there's some matchups you don't really enjoy all that much. I guess Doomsday is kinda hard, even though I also Oh yeah, I also managed to beat Doomsday. But yeah, I've I've been playing a lot of elves lately, been doing really well with it, and I, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see where things are gonna take us because there's probably like a lot of room for innovation still that we haven't even discovered yet. And, I mean, there's also this new combo coming in. Matt, have you heard about that one? I, I mean, No, tell me people, about it. Uh, you haven't heard about it? Okay, so I think somebody in our Discord called it could be a good win condition for Nick Fit, at which point you already know the card has run its course, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it's the, There's a thing coming out. It's a bear, basically, for a green, cool. and, uh, for a green and a black. It's called cool. with,
2: a, with a Bloom Apprentice.
0: Um, actually, okay, yeah. That, that's the one <laughs> i'm so bad at this um so basically what it does is whenever you play a spell or you copy a spell which is a new template right we didn't really have that actually we had that template on royal T- taric before but yeah so this is two mana and whenever you play or copy a spell your opponent loses one life and you gain one life so how do you use that there's Drain this of smog. <laughs> exactly, which is, if I remember correctly, for one colorless and a black and a sorcery. Oh my god. And it doesn't even really matter what it does because it makes you it, it makes target player discard two cards, and then that player can copy that spell and do it again. So basically the original idea was you him your opponent kinda and then they can him you back but if they do then you will him then again. So in a way this is like a cascading spell that eventually makes both players discard their entire hand but here's the trick because we're in legacy and we're literally smart we just target ourselves right? That's how it goes. So you just target yourself and you keep going copy 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 copy. So at this point you've got a 4 mana win condition or the way you should really think about it as a 2 plus 2 mana win condition where you play the dude in turn 2 or even turn 1 and then you hit the smog. The problem just is the cards on their own are pretty prep. That's <laughs> just like all I can say about it.
2: So I actually did a stream like for about three hours brewing with everyone in the stream about like how to build this. And we went through about five or six different ways to build it. And the best looking ones were a Nick Fit one or a um, like a kind of humans Imperial recruiter kind of Aetherval kind of deck using um grand abolisher to protect it and stuff because the combo is really easy to disrupt because you target yourself with a chain of smog you discard two cards you copy it you do it again discard two cards and then by the third time you've pretty much discarded your hand and so your opponent can just let you discard your hand then they lightning bolt it or they copy the last chain of or they counter the last chain of smog on the on the stack whatever then it ends so it's incredibly easy to disrupt and that's not Enough to like, kind of kick a combat of contention straight away, because first of all, the two cards costing two mana each is pretty efficient. Like, that's not too bad. Four mana on the whole to like combo is a bit pricey, but you you can like, you know, play the creature first, and then the chain of smog the turn after if you think that's how
1: it's going to go. Or so, or you can play Veteran Explorer and then sacrifice it to Phyrexian Tower, and then mm-hmm. you get your oh god, yeah, that's that yeah. Fun.
2: So so you want the mana to be able to do it, and the nice thing is you can. um greenstone zenith for this apprentice as well so it's easy to find that but then the bottleneck often becomes how do you find the chain of smog so i also built built it in kind of all in like oops s kind of things but then it's just hard to protect with counter magic you can't really play pact of negation and you can't play force of will or Days because you're going to be discarding your hand then they just remove it and veil of summer doesn't really help protect the combo because they can lightning bolt or source of power through it still and you're not like you're only just helping through card spells, but then they can still just let the Veil, let the Chain of Smog go and stuff. And so the the interaction you have to like kind of use to force through the combo is going to be stuff like um, Seas or Duress and Cabal Therapy or Defense Grid or Grand Abolisher and Silence are probably some of the best options. And then when you're going into white and then you need green and black for the thing, and then Teferi is also a good option as well. It's just a lot of colors. And we're looking at Rainbow Mana bases and everything just seemed kind of not quite there. And then the the chain of smog like was the most bottlenecky because when you're using a burning wish to kind of find the chain of smog or an infernal tutor, we actually worked out that spoils of the Vault is probably the best tutor because it can find either, and you're playing both as four of, so you know you shouldn't lose from the life too much. But then it becomes the bottleneck of how much manner how good is a wink on like this worth to be spending the mana to tutor for, and then still not guaranteed to win. So um, I don't know my conclusion was. The decks all looked a lot worse than I thought going into it, so th- there could be something there. But as it stands, you need like very proactive um, disruption, and it's just kind of hard to make it work after that.
0: Ooh. Yeah, I-, I think the way I would sum it up, at least to me, you- you've obviously gone way deeper into this. To me, it, it feels like it's basically a worse version of Sapphire Breakfast. Because, it, it, like you said, it requires a ton of um, different colors and yeah. lots of moving pieces, and it's it's interesting that he also went down the other while and Grand Abolisher path because that's also something that yeah. flip like Breakfast every once in a while does. So, because when you
2: go down that route, you can play one of the recruiters to to search it up, but then you also get to play like spell seekers, such as for the Chain of Smog. Um, so there are a lot of good creatures that tutor and stuff to do that. Uh, the deck yeah. I guess bit...
0: the upside is kind of that you don't really need to use the Graveyard. Then yeah. again, Cephalid Breakfast also doesn't necessarily need to use the Graveyard. I've actually been killed by it through a Leyland of the Void just yesterday because they, they got their combo together, right? And they, they mill themselves, everything goes into exile. And then they just went Living Wish to Thassa's Oracle and that was it. <laughs> That's pretty sick. <laughs> That's really sweet, yeah.
2: Yeah. I was about to say, oh yeah, they obviously use the Graveyard completely, but actually, no, not really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think if we ever get something that's that's better than Chain of Smog, then this could be a thing. Because a 2-mana two 2-2, two, two, we, we can kind of make that work, especially if it threatens a kill at any moment, yeah. right? But Chain the, of Smog just so horrible.
2: Yeah, the other kind of um, interesting stuff was Xanta's form is also an- another very good way to protect it. It's kind of awkward that you do need to wait a turn to play it, so it makes your combo quite slow. But it kind of plays well with, um, if we were going the Nickfit route, the options were like, it's another good thing you can just green some zenith for so you have the zenith for disruption and the combo piece and then it's a good creature to be able to sacrifice for diabolic intent to search for the missing piece after it's attacked or to flash back a Cabal therapy um it, yeah that played very well and then also if it, in nick fit with these sacrifice effects you can play arena rector to get the new onyx which is the new liliana which has the same effect which it basically tendrils whenever you cast or copy a spell so you can arena it for the second half of the combo as well. So I think this could be a kind of legit Nick fit variant, but um, everything else was a bit weird. A new distinct Nick
1: fit
0: archetype. I'm like, yeah,
2: combo Nick <laughs> fit, and then you ha- you just throw in like an Ugin Spirit Dragon in there because Oh, not, of course, well? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The dream Nick fit could actually be a decent deck if it ever found like a proper like combo to threaten lethal at any point because Nick yeah. fit already does. Yeah, Siege Rhino yeah. plus recurring nightmare, good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Basically twin. <laughs> Basically, twin. It's the legacy version of twin, yeah. right? Even though we actually have, we have literal twin in legacy. <laughs> Wasn't there actually like a deck? Wasn't there like? I'm pretty sure there was a deck that played Splinter Twin on uh, on trino I I'm almost positive what? that somebody did that in Legacy. Yeah, I'm, mean, I'm, I'm I'm so sure I've seen that.
2: I'm pretty sure we gentlemen's agreement not to do that. But that's, of course, that's,
1: of course, the handshake. There's just a there's a there's a nod that we do. It's like to make it's, it's
2: like why people didn't play Mystical Tutor back in the day. It's like,
0: awesome for horseshit. something more serious we got another question um from our friend Jeff white Pokemoki, and he's asking how do you feel about the state of Esper midrange? mid-range either off one mind or other variants it feels underrepresented in the meta even though on paper the cards line up well with what the format has been doing and i'm gonna pass it on straight to callum who's actually been putting the thing on the map lately yeah and i then t- quickly probably like dropped it again because <laughs> that's just how you do it right
2: yeah I, well yeah i i did but not because it's bad i just played other things um i totally agree with jeff
0: is that what you told it while you put it down it's not you it's me
2: (laughs) it's what i do to every deck i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) it's not it's not you i promise and they never believe me because yeah i don't
0: know people are like why are you not playing with it anymore it seemed so nice and you're like yeah but i need a change
2: yeah that's that's exactly it like i i have had multiple people message me even in the last week or two about um about the deck and i i do just keep saying like it's I'm not not playing because it it's bad it's it's really sweet as well, it's really fun and it is quite powerful and again I didn't have a big sample size but in that sample size it won quite a lot so I think it's obviously quite good and in some recent episodes I did like kind of lay out why I think the Esper colors are very good right now and so Jeff's question, how do I feel about it and why is it underrepresented? I completely agree, I don't really understand because I do stand by why I think the Esper colors are strong um, I don't have an answer for why it's underrepresented apart from Me not playing it to, and then like other people not playing it. And it just, it's just a cascading thing, right? Especially the online metagame, people are just playing what they think is good and what's winning. And so if people aren't playing something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad at at its core. Like it's usually a good guess, but like if someone's not playing Esper, it's because it hasn't been putting up other results. And then it's just going to continue to not put up results because people are not going to be copying from it. So I will say though, um, Shuan, who is Lynch Alice, has been playing a deck he's been calling the Queen's Gambit. Excellent name, which I'm not trying to claim credit here. He has basically said he took the Esper um, Mentor deck and basically cut the Mentors, but kept like the mana base and the general game plan and put in Queen Marquesa, which that card is just brilliant. And um, he's been doing very well with it. And I think watching his streams, he streams a lot with it. The deck is super powerful and it has the same strength as the Esper Mentor deck using the Esper Colors to like power through stuff, and he's been saying he's been letting Sylvan Library resolve and just grinding through it. And, um, yeah, the Esper colors just I stand by it. Like I said, I think they are really strong in the format and they should be like explored more. And I think, um, his deck will start to put up more results as well. It top hated, I think, the last two challenges. So, oh wow, get ready for Queen Marquesa.
0: Yeah, I already know that Queen Marquesa is probably gonna arrive at my house anytime soon once Matt gets back on card market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already have one, don't worry. Do you, do you guys uh, okay. feel
2: a certain way about Esper? Like when you play against it, do you think it's a scary color combination, or
0: mm, I, it feels a little sluggish? But that's also, yeah. I think, I I play decks that like it when my opponent's pretty yeah, sluggish it, because it's quite
2: weak to uh, Elves, I will say. So maybe you have a distorted view.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm much more scared of, for example, um, Grixis. Even mm-hmm. though Grixis is kind of the same deck ish, I I just feel like. Grixis is way more scary with what it does because it's it's less sluggish, whereas I, I never really feel like an Esper that could really produce something that I care about unless they play, you know, like back in the old days when they played Parish. Because like what I want to play is Elves, I want to play uh, Maverick, uh, I want to play anything that's like mid-range, aggressive combo-y, and I always feel like Esper is not that great at beating that, uh, unless mm-hmm. they they like really line up well in the first four turns and then they they get their payoff. And, yeah, that's that's why I'm I'm more scared of, of Grixis ever, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess Grixis, like, the difference between Bolt and Swords is just that you can kind of get burnt out and tempoed out like that. You can use your life total pretty well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's also just, like, Mentor isn't that scary to me. The, the thing that actually mm-hmm. is scary to me for the kind of stuff I like to play is Service Persecution, but barely anyone plays that. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of lucky. I'll true, play true.
1: that shit just for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, I, I've had that at my store where people would just like randomly play like three either Swan Cannonist three Parish, just because they could one Nature's Ruin for fuck's sake, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> so I, you're, just, you're saying the deck is good.
2: Yeah, I don't th- I I don't know if like specifically the mentor version. Um, that's just what I find fun. But I think Shuin's uh, build of Esper is is good. Uh, it's, it's Esper Splash Red. Uh, I've just seen him dismantle like. All the um, the control mirrors with it, like he just has so many haymakers, and then the Pyroblasts and like hymns if you need, and um, it's just got all the good cards, which is like what you don't really enjoy very much. But it's kind of it's still finessey in the way that it doesn't just slam them, like it interacts until you get the right uh, the window to do it. I-
0: I like playing that that kind of Esper that you posted. I love playing that way more than playing something like Grixis. Like Grixis mm-hmm. is just a combination of good cards without yeah. like any proper synergy, and that's that's just like to me that's blue chant. And mm-hmm. I always like I hate a blue chant so much. And like Esper, that that's a really cool deck. To, yeah. T- like for playing it, I, I used to play that stuff like ten years ago. I used to play Esper or like a, a ton, tons yeah. of Esper.
2: I, th- I think um, like Delver is still massively popular online. I was actually going through like what I've played with Painter so far, I've been writing it all down, and I've played Delver an average of two per league, like I've had a league with four of them as well, it's really still very popular online especially, so when you're playing a deck with Swords and push and Baleful Strix and then like three mana Teferi and stuff, like this is the the Delver killer I think, so I don't know, I think people should be playing more Esper builds.
0: The Delver Killer has been called. Okay, now no, no, you're getting interested because I feel like 50% of my matches are Delver these days. I mean, I think the real Delver Killer is Pernicious Deed, but, like, let's not... Let's well, would not... You
2: You need to Pernicious Deed the Whale now.
0: Yeah. Pernicious Deed is, like, the worst mass remover spell we have now, <laughs> especially and since actually, Stifler has made a comeback. Is
2: pre- Stifler is very popular now. It's played a lot.
0: You know, you probably want to play some kind of like. Isn't there like a degree that you can cycle? degree of annihilation or something that you can cycle to give, give everything minus 2 minus 2? Degree Even of pain, I think. It. Yeah, yeah. Let, <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> um, We're building train wreck, boys. Up. That being said, I think I've been wrecked by British Steed every once in a while, um, just because Strifeor shows up with it. And you, you know how Strifeor—we've I, I, we, had him on the cast before. Chase is awesome, but he's my nemesis in anything he ever brings to a <laughs> tournament. And just like another challenger or something, I've also been like destroyed by him. And
2: he's pretty good.
0: Yes, he is, yes. He is. Moving on, we got another question from Gavin. He's asking Stormfort from Mystic: Good again? Too slow? Not on par with the rest of the printing? of fire printings, he's saying. Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because it's actually kind of weird how many strong opinions I just realized I have on Magic and especially (laughs) Legacy. And one of my strongest opinions is is that Stoneforge has always been, like, not dog shit in the sense that it's bad. Like, obviously, it it used to be, like, one of the best cards in the format for quite a while. For me, gameplay-wise, it's the exact opposite of anything I want to do. It, Whenever you're, like, you, you gotta imagine it's turn two, your opponent taps that. Like, first of all, they have a dual land and they have a fetch land, and you always hope, okay, maybe they're not gonna crack the fetch land right away, because if they do, that immediately means they're gonna play something for two, which means they're probably gonna do something proactive, because nobody does play setup spells for two mana. So you immediately see them crack the fetch, land and you're like, oh, something proactive is coming down. Damn, I, I can't breathe. And then they play stone fetch, and you're like, ding, 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 and. That's just how bad I feel from the other side when I have to play Stonefudge on turn two. And if I don't want to play my two-drop on turn two, I, I just hate my two-drop then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll push back a bit. I think the card is fine. Um, it's not fantastic. It hasn't aged great, but it's not aged as badly as people think, in my opinion. Um, if you have the opinion that's always been kind of bad, then yeah, it's gotten a little bit worse. But I don't know. I think it's fine right now. It's it's kind of awkward that a lot of the, the Delver decks and play Tamagoy for Gurmagangler because they do... Um, outgrow the the, the battle skull. I, I think it's fine. It's still very good in Death and Taxes, obviously. In Maverick I've seen decks without it do do better. Like Julian will probably be a better person to talk on that. Where I think Snowforge Mystic is really good is I think control decks can play like two and one battle skull on the sideboard. It's it's a nice plan to have. If you if you're building your control deck to be going above other control decks but you feel like you're lacking a bit versus aggro or something, it's a nice little package to add in, which
0: I've done at times that sounds like, yeah. like Marcos Ewald from 2014, oh, it's, it's actually, a to- before it's he a totally changed Marcus his name. <laughs> yeah, it's totally a Marcus yeah. thing. It's from him. Yeah. And and speaking of of Maverick, um, lately, like for the last year or something, it's been a thing in Maverick that most people would just only play two Stoneforges. uh, Mm -hmm. But also recently, a lot of people have completely dropped in. I think um, Dukes, Dukes on Twitch, by the Mm -hmm. way, awesome streamer, he recently top-aided the Legacy Challenge, the very first Legacy Challenge he ever played. He's got a top eight rate of 100% with Maverick. Awesome. (laughs) And he didn't play any of them at all. And I just Mm -hmm. love that. Uh, Maverick is all about, like, I, I can't call it a prison deck. I really can't call it a prison deck. But Maverick is always like, I'm gonna fuck you. That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> this is the high quality content you get on this podcast. Well, yeah, it's it's
2: not prison, but it's just it's just playing inter- interactive creatures.
0: Yeah, so. I guess it counts as prison these days.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I I will say I, I get completely lost on the way the way people try and like the way people try and describe decks, like like it, as as if in every deck has to have like a perfect description. Yeah, so I don't know. It plays Maladorks and night of the Rickery, like just let them wasteland you to death it doesn't have to be a prison
0: deck yeah I, I guess the best way for maverick to describe it it used to be the best creature deck like any other creature deck like was worse than maverick and that's also the hey, main reason meatballs. why we didn't really see meatballs
2: uh, meat hooks <laughs> meatballs meat hooks has been around forever as well
0: i'm actually i've never i played maverick so much i think i've never played against meat hooks against really? Silveras. you're yeah, lucky I, not I to have
2: bumped into daniel nunez i can i can I can never beat him i think i'm like one and six against him i mean time. i've
0: played against the deck but i've never played the matchup but considering that murfolk was one of the best matchups for maverick uh i, I guess flying is a lot harder to beat than the island walk yeah, they'll they they all
2: fly and have hexproof or shroud
0: yeah that's actually that's actually way more scary than, than murfolk yeah so so yeah um obviously stoneforge still insane death and in texas but death and texas takes a much more methodical approach to, mm-hmm. to the game and it's also get the way way better late game than for example Maverick and w- when you get stuff like Flickervis going on suddenly your better skills become a lot better your stone forges become a lot better Wild gives you like a lot of mana that you can chew through while using your, your Stoneforge for example if I get the turn 1 Wild that's just like so much better than turn, turn 1 Noble Hierarch in the long run and yeah, I think that's a major reason why it can still shine in that kind of deck. It's yeah, just like true. a value thing. I really don't know. Right yeah,
2: I, I think I would like to generally give the question an answer. I would be only playing it if you think that like that's an effect that the deck actually specifically needs. I wouldn't just be like generically playing it as a as a good card or a threat in your decks. You should be thinking, my deck could really use this Stoneforge Mystic to help against um, aggro with a battle Skull or something. Not rather... I'm gonna have a single mystic and build around it to an extent.
0: It's actually really smart. That so so you're basically saying it went from being a good stuff card to a role player?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. That's a good way to think about it. Another question we got from Rebelcheap. Cheap. Rebel Cheap is the Master of Curses, right?
2: Mm-hmm. The one Yeah, there. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> is Goro the best thing to be doing in Delva? Or is it a trap that slows you down too much? Or the other way of looking at it? Do you really want to Delva in your Euro deck? <laughs> <laughs> so we we've seen Euro. Uh, we, I mean. A lot of people who used to be hooked in Uro are still trying to make it work, right? Uh, I think uh, Jeff White has been working a lot of it. Um, I don't know if Anurag... I think Anurag kind of went on a magic vacation, he said. But I'm pretty sure he's also kind of still working on it. And there's many other people out there trying to make it work. It's
2: I'll admit, not... all, all of those decks look the same to me still. They all look like kind of snow to me. It's just... It's just I'm not trying to downplay the decks much, but... They just all have cantrips and removal and some counter magic and arrows, and they all kind of look the same to me.
0: Um, they basically look like yeah. snow, but they added life from the loam. Yeah, yeah. Some
2: <laughs> like. they either have life from the loam or some have like a noble hierarch, or some have different colors of removal or like different numbers of counter magic and stuff. Um, so yeah, the mid range decks are good. Like there's there's like kind of four color no red ones as well or five color. Feel of the Dead stuff and all these things. There's some with Intuition. At the end of the day, you're just like playing Disruption and a row and then some engines around it and stuff. And so I think you can take it a lot, of d- a lot of different directions. It's interesting past that because, as you said, I can see like Jeff White is playing, he's got like a bug mid range deck, but he's got Raven's Crime and Life from the Loams. Um, there was like one from, I think, Rob Gladiator or Arkhan made it, like with Intuition with Life from the Loam and Feel of the Dead and stuff as well.
0: Um, that reminds me so much of, um, what's it called, what, the Intuition deck. Um, come on. It's the fear. It's the fear. Oh, that deck yeah. is like yeah. 13 years old. It is. The Intuition mid-range control deck. It, it's time we bring back Etched Oracle.
2: Where you go and get, yeah, Etched Oracle, Academy Ruins, and Life from the Loom. Oh Chef's kiss. That's the real grind. <laughs> oh. um, I
0: mean, that's why we have diver in the format, so we don't have to put up with that. <laughs> yes.
2: Sad. Womp womp. Uh, yeah. So regarding the question, is it really the best thing to be doing in Delver? It could be, and I think this is, this is actually quite cool. So I've kind of gotten sick of it already, I'll admit, but it's, it's not been played anywhere near as much as before, so that's it's not too bad. It's good in the mid-rangey feeling Delver decks, but I'm playing against it like only half the time or a little bit less from Delver. So there is a very real decision between Straight Blue-Red because you get Basics, Grixis because you get like Thorsese and Gurmagangler and Plague Engineer, or um, Rug because you get Clothis and Tarmogoyf and Uro. Or like, I guess there might be some others different like combinations of stuff and how you build it. I think that's really cool. I'm finally happy that there are different variations of Delva. I've seen bug popping up as well. Um Uro is in like half of them maybe or just under half. And so it's a decision. And I think Uro is good in Delva. You just need to build with that in mind. So people are playing like four tropical islands and three or four volks, because you need a lot of lands that actually produce banner rather than just fetches to play it. So regarding, is it a trap that slows you down too much? I don't think so. The card on like on the surface it looks really slow for Delver and stuff, but as we've seen the last couple of years, like Delver the blue-red decks are very aggressive and Rug can kind of like stifle you a bit out, but you can also just build it to be very mid-rangey. And so Delver and Days are just very good cards that like clock your opponents while your disruption just about gets there before they can like fight through it. So it's not so much like a that Delver has to be a fast aggro or tempo deck. It's just that the cards are generically good in the format and they work together in a way that like Stifle and Daze and Wasteland and Delver work together, not because you need to be this aggressive deck and tempo deck, but it's because a lot of the decks are built to be very good at fighting through counter magic. So you need to have a clock to back up your counter spells. Otherwise, they're just going to be ground through eventually. So um, it's, it's just a shell that works. And so slowing you down isn't so much a problem if it's, giving you the cards and more resources to fight that further so it's just a mid-range deck
0: so to me something about Darva that I've recently noticed is I, I feel like you can almost tell the entire history of legacy by looking at how good Charmogulph is I mean obviously you couldn't cover the first three years because back then like yeah no Charmogolf. Uh we used to do Werebear and stuff but I feel like Tamogov has done a lot better. <laughs> he exercises his right to bear arms, to bear arms, whatever. <laughs> to, yeah, and I think time growth, as at least to me, like when I watch streams and I play against the deck, Tamogov just feels so much better. Again, unless you're playing like um, Callum already mentioned, if you're playing against the zombie fish, then it's like But even then, people can sometimes get it to be like a five six or you know. I just mm-hmm. like that what Tarmagov is doing in Daiva right now. And it doesn't always feel like you need Uro on top. Like sometimes you see it as a one off, but we I, I feel like we're not really doing that thing anymore with Uro and playing Sylvan Library. And and you, you know, doing the, the Daniel Gutscher special where you're basically you're a mid range deck in disguise.
2: Yeah. And those 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 kind of builds haven't been putting up too many results. They're still obviously very powerful. I think it's a legit way to build a deck if like it's overrun with control or something, especially Source Plow decks, but I don't know if Tarmogoyf is even especially good right now. It's decent, but I think green offers a lot of other tools, and then it becomes the best threat in green. So, like, you have Clothis, uh, Sylvan Library, and Veil of Summer.
0: Yeah, I it, it just, it just feel like the, the reason why Tarmogoyf would not be good is stuff like Ice Van and and Belfastrix, yeah. and somehow barely anyone plays these. Like, I yeah. thought we would see a lot more Belfastrix. I agree. We, we barely see any.
2: Yeah, so this is why I think Esper's good, because Source and Plashes and Belfastrix are very, very good right now. and. I don't know. I people mean, pay, I would run esper. twelve
1: baleful strix <laughs> if I could. I'm. I want to play Bale strix, baleful strix and unearth to just like troll oh, yeah. people even more. Where you're just like <laughs> thought you got rid of it this time, unearth it, and then just yeah. Anyway, misery and, of my opponents.
2: Yeah. It, it. Yeah. Especially when you're doing it instant speed with Teferi. like the de- you can feel like the despair from the other side when you're like just keep looping these things, and like the Delva players keep trying to attack you, and you're just there with like. You keep drawing all these cards and the strixes just keep coming back
0: hmm. <laughs> so yeah um I'm, I'm scrolling through the results of the most recent legacy challenge here and i do see uh, pay for Strix every once in a while and so what is this for example oh yeah Buck. yeah Buck. so you know maybe mid range. maybe that's kind of the way to go which is i guess what what jeff has been working on this Pokepile reloaded version um which place was he? Beyond a certain place, I don't even count like twenty. Like it's not Chef anyway; it's somebody else. It's twenty something, but yeah, that's that's what I've been looking at. So yeah, I, I think Bugmood range could actually be really sweet as well because we we, we talked about Espa and we talked about um, Grixis, but I think Bug range has a lot of tools as well. I agree.
2: Yeah, I, I've I, I don't know. This is actually some bias I have. I've always found Bug is just exactly the same reason you don't feel like scared of esper i feel bug just doesn't have that reach and it's so kind of mopey and it never really does it for me i don't know
0: yeah i feel just feel like bug has better payoffs in, in like yeah, and yeah maybe stuff it's it's just like i've never really been scared of mentor even though i probably should i mean mm-hmm. with Merrick, i'm more scared of it and yeah. I mean is a great card. It's just like it, it's it's yeah. another one of those cards that are the opposite of what, what I want to be doing. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna have to, like... I'll have to show you the ways. I'm gonna beat you up some mentors. We'll do it soon.
0: <laughs> and speaking of the challenge, looking at the results, the results are actually pretty amazing. Um we already talked about Dukes making top eight with Maverick. Mm-hmm. It was won by Alurn. And second place was a Ruck Food Chain deck, right? Food Chain has been a deck in Legacy every now and then, and, but the most popular versions have always been bugged. There have been Ruck versions ever since, for example, that, that Squee got printed that's being used here, which is Squee the Immortal. But even that's just like a one-off in this one, and they use three Mastello Griffins to put together a combo. Um, that's pretty amazing to me, especially since for a long mm-hmm. time you can actually kind of disguise yourself as either like maybe even like a Delver deck with a bad start, or a rock Control deck, like, because when I watched it on stream, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is rock Control, and all of a sudden they drop Food Chain and the game is over. Like, and what? you're just like, what? Can, 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 I, can, I,
2: can I just rewind for a second? Have you actually looked at this um, Alluren deck?
0: I am
1: sitting here with the list.
2: It's batshit insane. <laughs> Otaba is known for playing Alluren through Thick and Thin. They're a Japanese player, and they just play Alluren all the time. This is five color with like a main deck full from favor, Abundant Graves, Oath of Nissa's to Fairy Time Ravellers. It's proper five color. This is um, pretty impressive. Running four like Birds ran- of Paradise. A ran- yeah. yeah. A random Vendilion click in there. Sevens Reclamation. Like one Intuition, three Source of Power shares. It's playing Yorian, so it's eighty cards. It's- Jesus. This is a this is a concoction and a half. Um, I'll let people look at it themselves because there's also an Ukima Stalking Shadow as the win condition.
1: My lord. A random
2: Skyclave apparition. This deck is really wild.
0: I love it. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's pretty sweet. So uh, yeah,
0: artifact for the combo. Yeah, artifact morphog. <laughs> and has Yorian, of course. Yeah, Eddie cards. Yeah,
2: oh, so I can just see this deck just like a huge grind fest, and then eventually they're just like, oh, okay, fine, I'll cast a Allure- and say a Recruiter <laughs> now, I win.
0: This is basically somebody playing EDH and Legacy, and their commander is Yorian. This is
1: this <laughs> <That's-> is actually <laughs> interesting because online. You don't have to worry about shuffling this 80 card monstrosity, yeah. right? You're just like, click the button, shuffle. But, like, man, in paper, just like shuffling those extra 20 cards, I don't know. Just a pain in the ass. I don't know if I can but do you're double sleeved or triple sleeved? <laughs> and you're just like, uh... oh, God.
2: No, no, thank you. It is very cool that we've had like the two um, non survival, like, signature green enchantments, Allurin and Food Chain, both in the final. Bring back
1: survival. Yeah, they're kind of like a family group, right? Back there, survival. There's
0: Allurin, there's Food Chain, and that's survival. I'm bad survival.
2: <laughs> Get it all in there. Um, yeah, the Rug Food Chain was super cool as well. It's like a Tosky Bear of Secrets in the sideboard as well. That card is very sweet.
1: Now we just need also no Rug to come back and secret. we'll have all the you know, all the great green cards coming. Toski Tosky. Bear of
0: Secrets sounds like one of those proto-communists. You should
2: play it in Elves.
0: It's pretty good. It's a 4 mana 1-1. One one. Uh, legendary Creature Squirrel. Okay, this spell can't be countered. Indestructible. Tosky attacks each turn of able. Okay, all of that's bad. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw card. Dude, we we already had Edric for that.
2: Yeah, but this is like, <laughs> you could you don't need to play blue for it, and it's indestructible, and it can't be counted if you draw it. It's it's pretty cool. I, but,
0: I'm not convinced. All all right, it, what I just does want it actually to, do in the deck? Is it just like there to randomly make make all your random stuff better? <laughs> it's just there.
2: It's taking. I've just noticed in the main deck has a three ponder. It's just there to make people question things.
1: Like, I think it has <laughs> to be a troll. Like, it's a squirrel troll,
0: right? But Maybe, maybe. Or if it's if like, oh, it.
1: all these terrible cards, I need them to attack.
0: At least they'll draw me a card. Okay, I gotta give it to them. It can't be abrupt decayed. So if you bring it in against a buck deck, how are they ever going to get rid of it?
2: Mm. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's a destructible anyway. Di- Di- okay, so diabolic, <laughs> <you> <laughs> <deck>? Yes, <laughs> I
0: don't know. <laughs> They, they, Dude, Matt, you are living in a, another time, man. They can't you used to cast of Liliana of the Void. Uh, of the Void. <laughs> Liliana of the Void,
2: yeah. yeah. Oh, there is also Seven Birds of Paradise in the final. Pretty crazy.
0: Ooh, ooh.
2: <laughs> cool. Um, moving on. Yes, yeah, so we've got the rest of the, the, the challenge looks actually very healthy. So we've got D We have Grixis Delver. We have, oh, Cephalid Breakfast. So Fuck I think yeah. there was like a few people on Cephalid Breakfast. Yeah, this yeah, is so uh,
0: cool i also played against several breakfast and i guess actually i didn't get destroyed by it, but i lost to it and i think dukes actually played it twice i, I don't mm. know if somebody like recently posted an, a new article or a prime on the deck but it has been showing up a lot more lately
2: i think a japanese player did quite well with it recently and um like uh it gained some traction there i guess on like uh japanese legacy twitter but okay, okay yeah always always cool to see it do well um Oh, then we have MM17, who I was mentioning earlier. This is his, his Delver list, which is like a mid-range deck. So he has I two like Bonecrusher Giants, two Brazen Borrowers, the Whale, three Snap True Names. Then, like, yeah, two straight-up Counterspells. Got a Fire oh, Ice. Oh, Fire
1: Ice. Oh, taking me back. Yeah,
2: lovely. And so it's like a 20 land deck as well. So this is like a big Delver deck. And um, he's been really hyping it up and saying it's very, very good. He, he like, lost in the last two weeks in Challenges, I think. So he finally got that top eight. So, yes, very cool deck. Um, He's playing
0: two cleansing wildfire on the sideboard, by the way. Um, Wasn't that the card that we were uh, trying to somewhat abuse? So it's it's a sorcery for a colorless and a red. Destroy target land. Its controller may search the library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle the library. Draw a card. So you get the two for one on it if you you use it, like, for example, on on a diver deck that doesn't have dual lands. Uh... Mm I don't hate it, but I, I mean you, I that color kind of combination. I think we we, we much...
2: came to the conclusion you can't play against Elva because if they they daze it, it just counters it regardless.
0: Oh, then you don't even draw the card. Right? Yeah, oh God, yeah. That's so bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I I think I guess he's he's doing it for like the control decks or um, if lands or cloud posts and that kind of stuff is popular, depths or whatever. Potentially, seems okay. Like um, yeah, you just wouldn't bring it in against Elva. Seems fine, could, especially could when just you're be when blood you moon, but whatever. Yeah, so he has he has three islands in the deck, so yeah, it could be Blood Moon. Um, yeah, I'm sure he has a reason.
1: Probably uh, a wrong reason. I'm just fucking with him. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, I'm I just know. trying to
2: look for, maybe his 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 thing is like, it kind of plays better with Surgical Extraction against uh, Death's kind of decks and stuff,
0: but it seems hard to pull off, so. By the way, 7th place, Alpha blade super interesting elves list like this is really interesting but people always tell me Julian should I play like your version or should I play um, the the, 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 what's it called the reclaimer version that Newton plays like which one's better and it's like guys these decks have like they target different matchups to be better against them and depending on which matchups you think you will face you play one or the other but this one is like, you know what, we're going to play Nether Sentinel, we're going to play Reclaimer, we're going to cut Quarian Ranger from the deck, which is like, to me, bam, 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 what the fuck is going on? Because Quarian Ranger cr- is so insane with that's Glimpse initial order.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and then plays <laughs> Cabal, Cabal Pit. So oh, Cabal Pit.
2: Yeah, Cabal's Pit is very sweet. That's their answer to Plague Engineer. Like, uh, when they have the Reclaimer in play, they just go and find it. Which is pretty sweet.
0: So, yeah, I mean, they, 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 they obviously did really well, got 7th place. Um it's kind of interesting to see that they actually ended up cutting a glimpse because Quirin Ranger is one of those cards that really, really. Like, people think about Heritage to it, but Heritage to it is the worst elf in the deck. Quirin Ranger is the one that really enables these early glimpses and also these early natural orders. And cutting them, I mean, you're making a conscious decision, right? My early game is going to be somewhat worse, and my mid game, or like, my late game is going to be pretty sweet, uh, especially the game, games when the Elfish Reclaimer really shines. Uh, so yeah it's it's an interesting decision to make because you're still using the little sentinels um mm-hmm. i've never thought about cutting the range. ranges like i've cut down in heritage too it's quite hard because i just hate the cards it's, it's kind of funny how, how i just end up hating so many cards in the elves list, well, when i was playing so
2: much... elves i did find myself green selling for querion like a decent amount so i would yeah. like to see one in there but um it's a very interesting idea like i don't want to brush it off it's cool is four natural order, is that usual as well? I, I haven't looked at news list yeah, in a while. Yeah. Okay.
0: You, you're usually like hovering between three and four, yeah. depending on like how much you want to lean on it. Um, Shepard made it much easier to play four. Yeah. But yeah, three is also a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, three is actually more common, probably.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. But I guess if you're like, oh, he's got the four shepherds and, um, Like, Newton refers to his deck as Oopsel Cradles because the Reclaimers just, like, (laughs) up your consistency of finding Cradles so much. And so, like, going to another natural order, if you're having that increased consistency of Cradles, does make sense.
0: Yeah, Cradle's just, like, overall so great right now with um, Shepard because you can really, like... Very, very aggressively spend all your mana on stuff, especially if the opponent's tapped out in the first game, and that's also part of why I've really started to appreciate crop rotation a lot more. I used to have crop rotation in the main deck only really when I had like sideboard bullets, but lately I've just like played it as a one-off because it's insanely good against Wasteland, and also overall um, against fair decks. if you get Cradle on the second turn, you can produce some really broken board states and that's yeah that's why i like crop rotation so much i'm mm-hmm. yeah
2: i <laughs> um, no, the, the first like one of one of makes a lot of sense to me seems really good yeah you just want more copies of the best card in your deck
0: pretty much and then eighth place we got we got dukes on twitch um playing green white black maverick to to a top eight finish i've been watching his stream oh I think yeah we, we can actually link his stream the the bod on mm. uh, on the show notes because he actually had it all on twitch and i think it's all on it's on youtube now and he has um those those timestamps for I, all the best i, matches I like this list this is, this is interesting
2: cool. he 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 runs what's the website called um Green So he is like the Maverick guy, Matt. You should check him out. And mm,
1: I will. I want, I'm really I liking know. the Hex Drinker, it's
0: an interesting addition.
2: Fantastic card in these days. But well, he's
0: from Australia, so that's got to be Snakes.
2: <laughs> True, yeah. I just want to shout out Duke's stream because he's one of my f- absolute favorite people to watch because he's so calm and methodical. And like, whenever anything goes wrong, he's like, ah, yeah, that's unfortunate. Like, he just doesn't like salt off. He doesn't speak badly of anyone. He's so just does things slowly and works all So out. totally the
1: opposite of my stream, which I don't host <laughs> because...
0: I haven't seen your stream, failing. so... The only time Matters ever streamed was that he immediately fell awake in the first game. Fell uh, awake? Fell... Crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the only time that... <laughs> I was sleepwalking through it, and I was like, wait, it was, what? It was, it was so bad because I had to stay awake and play because we put together this <laughs> horrible chant list that he made me build on match it, it, salty... gonna... it was my salty... It was my GP little salt list. <laughs> and that was oh, that was it that is yeah I think that was, I think that's what it was it was amazing oh yeah I think I've talked about it on the stream before it's just yeah, to me yeah. it was like the worst ever and like 2 in the morning we started streaming and you fell asleep on my couch and I was like God. for the next 2 hours I'm gonna be stuck with this shit come on please <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so, so yeah good. we're gonna leak, link to stream and yep. yeah exciting to see so lots of awesome decks being played right now um, like I said I'm excited to see what else people are gonna come up with um, I certainly wouldn't have expected the, we need a proper name for the Aluren decklist by the way this is this is madness allure no, that's a bad name we're, we're, we're gonna figure it out i guess if,
2: if, if anyone's familiar with Ottawa, you can just say it's ottobar Aluren. um they have really just done everything on Aluren. it's insane so <laughs> yeah is,
0: okay awesome <laughs> so we have another couple of questions that we want to go through before we uh, conclude the episode one of our most loyal listeners franco Boli, has sent us a message Question. Watching Cheflin play, he plays around everything and this is what makes him a great player. He does have some interesting ideas about aggressively firing off a brainstorm. How do you balance aggression and playing around everything? Now that's ah. an insanely general question, right? It's kind of hard to answer answer without like yeah. providing specific examples. I generally think you have to understand the dynamics of the matchup which is also like a very general answer but i guess that's the only way you can really go about it you have to understand what your role is talking about stuff like you know who's the beat down mike flores that that kind of thing and when you know that if you push hard now if you squeeze your opponent hard now when you know that this will lead to results before you run out of fuel then you should squeeze but if you think you're gonna run out of fuel before before you, you can actually get across the the, the the goal line then you might still need to do it. If you think that there's no other way to get there and then you hope to get lucky. Like people I think people generally don't account for getting lucky as being part of your game plan just because I think a lot of people have it like shoved down their throat that you must actively earn everything that you get. Whereas making the decision towards being lucky is the super fucking hard decision to make in the first place and that's how you earn your wins as well Mm -hmm. like overcoming that complex that you might have but yeah that's that's really like going deep i think when you think i can't win the long game but right now i have an opportunity to go by squeezing my opponent hard then you should be aggressive then you, for example, should fire off your brainstorm at end of turn just because when on the next turn, the play that you could make if you hit that extra land is going to be mm-hmm. so devastating that it's totally worth the, the minus card quality that you get basically three turns down the line. And you can really only do that if you understand matchups and the dynamics in the matchups and how things play out in the long run. And that's just a quality I really appreciate in a good player.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's... What you said, and I totally agree with it, how do you balance? I mean, you just have to also know where you stand. Like, for example, if you're like, oh, I'm going to play around if they have the days every single time. Well, then their days is working every single time. You have to decide when to make that push of, like, do I lose the game if this spell gets countered by a days? Yes, no. Is it my advantage to actually push here? Yes, no. So, like, you have to make those decisions based on the game state. I don't know. Like, it's hard to say, like i guess we're looking at a board state being like okay is it worth pushing right now do i crack the fetch into their fetch so that they stifle me and if they stifle me here do i lose like i guess i need to look more so at a particular board state to say okay do you push now or not that's my opinion
2: yeah i agree as well like um just to add to it further um as julian said one of the most important things is understanding the matchup and some general heuristics that like make sense to me is why you see Jeff do it so much is because he's playing Espervile, and Espervile has a lot of ways to use its mana. It has a lot of engines. And so he like he just wants to probably find land drops and less interested about specific things because he has Recruit of the Guards to just find what he needs. So I think you're gonna see a deck like Espervile play Brainstorm a bit more aggressively than something like um, a control deck just that just wants to play reactively he has a game plan of he wants to be finding his recruiters and playing it them out and finding the stuff that are relevant in the matchup um with control you 're going to be like playing reactively do you need a counter spell or do you need a removal spell to put it pretty simply and then there's a balance in between those two where if you 're a mid range deck if your opponent is presenting a threat you want to brainstorm more aggressively to find an answer um if not you can play it a bit slower and like just play your mid range threats or like you know develop your board um that's some things. Once you know the matchup, I think you want to be firing off Brainstorms more aggressively against combo. It really depends on your hand. Um, sometimes you need to be patient because if you have Disruption already, you can be more patient with them. If you don't have the Disruption, actually, this can apply to all matchups. If you, once you know the matchup, if, you, if your hand is good, uh, you can just be less aggressive firing them off. If your hand is bad, you should be more aggressive firing them off potentially only to the extent of playing turn one brainstorms if you have like multiple cantrips in hand you know it's a fast combo deck so if you're playing against the epic storm for example or reanimator and your hand is like two ponders in a brainstorm and you just played lango because you don't know the matchup yet i could see brainstorming end of turn there just because you want to get like that one card deeper and just to see a few more cards because your turn two you're probably going to be like pondering twice to be looking for force wheels or something so that's an example where i could see it um so yeah it really does boil down to the matchup but you can like work out general heuristics based on the kind of deck you're playing and then the matchup further, I think.
0: Yeah, another example that just came up for me um, with regards to how to evaluate um, the card quality, increasing power of Brainstorm that it generally has. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, but at least you're breaking even most of the time. Um, is, for example, your Dark Depth opponent casts Dark Confident against you? And you have assault shares and you're like, yeah, I could just assault sort of shares that, but you always you you gotta think about how do I want my answers to line up with what my opponent has, like, which is part of understanding the matchup. And obviously, you want to abrupt decay your opponent's dark confident, and you want to assault sort of shares their token later on. That's that's basically how you want to be doing it. And at that point, you have to make a decision: okay, do I do I aggressively brainstorm to rather find the abrupt decay so I can keep my assault sort of shares, or do I not do it? and you, you know the, those are the kind of things that are heavily influenced by the game state and how you sideboard it and what, what your opponent represents and stuff so it's kind of hard to answer in general but he, this is just like another example where you evaluate maybe being able to find better cards down the line versus having something right now that you need right now that's part of the actual overall game plan of how you want your answers to connect with their threats which I feel, especially if you're playing a control deck, is, is one of the major things to do with it. Also, that I see people doing wrong probably the most.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's like the the more, I mean to put it very simply, like the more threats your opponent's throwing at you or the more threat of a combo killing you, the faster you should be playing it because if you if you um, find interaction like, but before you played the Brainstorm and then you had mana at some point in that game but then lost with the brainstorm in hand. You've probably used it wrong. Like if you had the chance to play turn one brainstorm at the end of your t- at the end of your opponent's first turn or something, and then turn two you played a counter spell, and then turn three you, you died or something. If you didn't have the chance to play that on the turn one, then yeah, you should like consider that maybe that was correct. If you if you knew that the matchup was one of these like kind of faster combo ones, so yeah.
0: Awesome, yeah. Moving on. There's another question we received from Bob. Not so silent Bob one on Twitter best way for a mid-range deck to stand against big mana decks. For example, Stoneblade against post. Uh Matt, do you, I think you have some th- thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so as as you just discussed, who are you in that matchup? So, if you're a mid-range deck and they're the big control deck, who are you to them? The answer is you're the aggro deck. Like the chances are that you that you're going to go bigger than the big mana deck very low. So, like, you have to choose your sideboard options appropriately to combat, like, a big mana deck. So we're talking, uh, we'll say Eldrazi or 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 Cloud Post or something like that. So th- yeah. I think the example here is like Stoneblade versus Post. So like. You need to aggressively be down before they can drop their bombs that are going to kill you. I, I... Now, you say,
2: now you say that. This is actually, just sorry to interrupt quickly, but this yeah. is a good example where if I was playing a Stoneblade deck and my opponent goes Tom on Cloudpost tapped, this is where I'd brainstorm end of turn because I want to find a turn two Stoneforge Mystic. That's a good example. Yeah. That's
0: what you trying. want to find on the second turn. I mean, well, yeah, it's if the best that's what's in your I deck. Know, yeah. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Go away, Julian. So, <laughs> sorry, so and my... I think
1: like packing appropriate sideboard cards um if you plan like if your meta is like oh there's always the dude who's playing cloud post and there's always the dude who's playing altrazi etc then you need to have those really good really early sideboard cards that are gonna basically just just fuck them right up so like maybe I, i'm not saying Stoneblade specifically but maybe it's playing your blood moons or maybe it's more aggressively wastelanding right or maybe it's stifling like depending on what you would be doing disrupting their mana so they can't cast their spells is probably the plan that you want to be on. And then eventually, when they're kind of a little bit rocky, that's when you're going to push. So you need to be that echo deck.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's also kind of something that was talked a lot about during the Top Miracles era when people were like, hey, do, how do we actually beat 12 post? And then people realized, okay, I can just like force a will some of the counterable setup spells like Expedition Map if I like if I think it makes sense. And then I will sometimes drop my end of turn Snapcaster Mage to get there, even though it doesn't really feel great. But I think in the current spot, it, it, it really depends on which kind of deck you're playing. I think to give a more practical answer with Stoneblade, if you're really looking for, like, tactical advice, how to tackle that, I mean, back to basics is a thing, right? If you're playing straight up blue-white, um, the, the Deathblade, uh, not Deathblade, blade, your best way to tackle that kind of big mana is probably back to basics. And if you're playing something like Bond or, or for example, uh, Maverick, something that's great to use is Teak, just because you can, like, stop them from basically ever casting their payoff spells. Exactly. But the most important thing is to just, like, attack the lands directly like if you're playing a knight of reliquary deck or something like remove of excavator you can really just start hitting that land drops and that's gonna make them bleed quite a lot
2: yeah i agree like back to basics is a good option for Stoneblade, probably the best one there um because if because if you don't attack their mana they're just gonna have so many big threats like you need to have an active jace plus other stuff going to really keep up with like the counters spell every single turn then they're going to start to like double spell if your opponent's good and they play thought not they'll probably sandbag thought not Sears to play the same turn as another big threat and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah it just never really works out like the way you want it to
1: like you could play something like damping sphere as well if you wanted yeah. to like get really techy but good idea. but again like i think attacking their mana base and having a piece of hate along
0: with it will will go a long way yeah, and I also think it's very important, like really, really important, that at some point you realize it's not worth it to maybe fight those decks, unless you know you're playing your local FNMs and you you know you're gonna play against them like every other tournament or something. Because if I was to play a big tournament tomorrow, I wouldn't waste a single thought on big mana post decks. Like I, I would yeah. completely ignore them. That's that's like my mm-hmm. approach to legacy has always been when I play in big tournaments. I want to have an aggressive approach. So I can somewhat ignore the decks that I'm not ready for by just also being super threatening and like maybe killing them on the third turn. And for something like the top five or six decks in the format, I wanna have cyber cards against those and I wanna be decent against those. And that's how I wanna go into each tournament. And Trev Post is never really part of that.
1: I think that's I think that's a great plan. And even as the as the resident Nickfit player, like I know that I'm usually the control deck. But like,
0: allegedly, it, <laughs>
1: allegedly, but, but realistically, like, am I going, because there are so few of that deck, like, I know that it is very difficult for me to be a beatdown deck to switch to that role, right? So if I can't be the beatdown deck against the big mana deck, and I just lose all the time, well, you know what, like Julian said, unless there's a dude in my group, who is actively playing that deck i'm not gonna waste sideboard slots on it because i've probably got to actually slant my sideboard more towards combo to actually try and win those matchups because i expect to see those a little bit more often than the person playing
0: some sort of eldrazi pile yeah yeah makes sense so we we have lo- one last question from the eternally surprised how do you feel about ninjas in the current meta game it is bugged backed on Magic online since November, which might lead to it being underrepresented there. In comparison, in the Magic, uh, what, what's it called, the Paper League tournaments, it is the deck that has the most top-eight finishes here post-ban. I know it's way less competitive meta there uh, than the challenges, but there's not much other data anyway. So... I think we actually talked about this, right, with a couple of friends and, and some chats Yeah, I think, I think
2: Ninjas is good. Um, it's a very solid deck. It, it's finally getting some respect it deserves, like, after a while. Um, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like, kind of, like, it's, I don't know if it'll take Delver's Throw-in or anything like that. Um, you know, removal is a bit better versus it because you do rely on some synergies. I did play a League or two a, a month or something ago, and God, that Retrofitted Foundry is so, so, so good in the deck. Um, I was amazed by how good it is. But it's not good in like any other deck, which is interesting, but it's just good because you have Ornithopter and Changing Outcast. So um I think maybe it is underrated online. I, I do run into it a fair bit. Um it, it does put up results as well in challenges as we've seen. So I wouldn't be surprised that it is if it is kind of underplayed for how strong it is. It's yeah. it's, it's probably beats up on combo more than fair. I I can see it kind of struggling a bit more against all the removal. Like Delva often has ways of kind of beating removal the best it can by either playing like young pyromancer where spot removal can be bad to like gurmaganglers where spot removal like spot removal's good and stuff like that. Whereas ninjas, it's kind of good against Erupt Decay because you have the four mana one and like the foundry does grain out removal. But after other than that, like you are relying on these single um the, the uriko and the the yeah. other ninja that draws cards to kind of get through. Yeah. So you do rely on a lot more synergy. So if you're playing in a very fair meta game with a lot of Swords of and stuff I can see it kind of struggling there, but how do you feel? Yeah. It,
0: it's kind of funny how how it's actually we, when we talked about it. I only really fully realized that how good it is against Abrupt Decay because when the thing is coming at you, and, you, and they have to the retrofit Foundry and you're holding Abrupt Decay, you're like, what do I do? Do I Abrupt Decay the Retrofitter Foundry when they they still get either their 4-4 or they even connect with the ninja if they want to? Like yeah. Both is really bad for us. If I don't do anything and I wait for them to ninjutsu, I can't Abrupt Decay anything because like everything's 4 mana and oh, it's so bad. The, and the, if the, tra- the
2: Eureka prop- is 3 mana, but the, the other one is 4.
0: Yeah, the, the, the ones yeah. that usually happen, uh, the, the, the 4 mana. That <laughs> the one that usually happens when you have Abrupt Decay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and if you try to uh, like abrupt a the creature that's the most aggressive thing then they get the 4-4 and, and you you just like you trade it down on, on everything it's just so bad so I think if they especially against bug decks it's probably like pretty decent right mm-hmm. whereas if you're playing against a lot of blasts like as well but, yeah it it's it's kinda of funny that the four four is still good enough to survive a a lightning bolt. So mm, yeah. it, it the deck is just annoying to play against it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. It makes you make choices you don't want to make, which is the hallmark of a great deck. But it's just hard to call a deck with um only top to a great deck. But it's it's good <laughs> and it's probably better than people give it credit for. Yeah. Um I th- I think, I it think really is, yeah. yeah, I think that the ninja plan actually is not that great because the deck ends up drawing into a lot of other cards that are not that great on their own as well so That's when okay. i lose to the deck i usually lose to the deck make making a bunch of four fours early on and killing me with that uh, okay. the ninja plan it's kind of meh to me like the only cards you really care about the ninja plans well, end up drawing more it's, force, ba- force it's bad force. it's bad versus
2: elves because it's hard to get the ninjas through like after the first time um once once you get like the ninjas going against like combo you're just drawing to more and more disruption it's just like absolutely brutal
0: does so, run that much disruption? I always felt like it, it, it's rather low on that, which which is basically why I don't like the ninja plan too much.
2: Maybe, maybe. I always felt like the deck would want to play like four force of will, three force of negation, and then. Oh, that
0: many? Okay, that 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 would be totally different. I'm not, was, I was haven't looked at like,
2: like stockless. the one I played recently ish uh-huh. had that, and then like cyborg thought seizures. I have to go and okay. check.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess against combo. Yeah, uh, like this deck against combo is if, if you play that many. Um, while well, blue counter spells i guess that would mm-hmm. be good Overall, i think the deck is decent and i also think the bug doesn't really matter too much like nobody is gonna be like oh i'm not gonna play the deck because the the, the bug is stopping me from that oh the yeah bug is basically right if you play a brainstorm or a ponder and you don't shuffle on the ponder and then you have yuriko i think mm-hmm. the first trigger the first, you get the first from one Eureka... is correct
2: and then after that the deck is basically randomized
0: which is basically almost an upside, right? You kind of get like a free uh, shuffle out of the brainstorm. Yeah,
2: you could see it like that. Or you could see it like you get two Eureka triggers and you put like two Force Wheels on top. So you want them to take 10 damage. But it's, it is a, it's quite a real bug. Um, it's good to know about because people can then like, uh, <laughs> well, whenever you play it, just file for compensation because Magic Online needs to sort out their bugs. And if people keep t- claiming money back, then that will get them to fix it. But um, the bug is not bad enough that people won't play the deck. I'm pretty confident.
0: Yeah. I don't even see it talked about all that much. I mean, there's bugs that have been around for like such a long time, especially like all the stuff involving Uro, like in Gaia Reach, Sanitary, and mm-hmm. what are the other ones? There uh, well, are like some pretty famous ones. That a Wall of Roots fixed.
2: and Court of Calling has been yeah, that's the one, for right? like that's what, eight years <laughs> <to fix. laughs> or something. God knows.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Contaminant Priest, Yorion. Yeah, we, we could have mm-hmm. an entire episode just on, on bugs and magic online. Yeah. There's, there's another one that's really big, really big and I just can't remember it. I think it also, oh yeah, Gilded Drake plus, oh yeah, Gilded Drake plus, oh, plus yeah. um, Uro. Right. So if you steal, like, uh, uh, an Uro coming down from the hands, uh, you still have to sacrifice it, even though by the rules you actually shouldn't, which is a pretty big deal for Esper Wild and Chef is super pissed about it, but they just don't mm-hmm. fix it. Yeah. That's pretty much it for today, so thank you so much for sending all your questions in. If you want to help us out, we've actually received a lot of awesome reviews lately. Um, I've got the service that actually sends me an email every time you submit a review, and I've gotten more emails than ever before, so thank you so much for that. If you want to consider supporting us, just do the same. Go ahead, leave us a review, let us know how you like the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or if you want, you can also join the Patreon. You can find the Patreon on patreon.com slash everydayeternal, and drumroll... We finally have the new logo established, and now I finally feel good about sending out all the t-shirts to them you. I'm so sorry that I haven't sent out, I think I haven't sent out t-shirts in like half a year at least, because I knew we were going to get this new logo, and I felt like, ah, if I send out t-shirts now, and then we're going to get a new logo. But back then, I assumed the logo was going to be like just a matter of weeks, maybe a month, but then it always, you know, <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way. But we finally got the new logo established, so in the next weeks or something, if you are eligible for a t-shirt, just check out Patreon again. And let me know your address, your size, and, and then we'll figure this out. I think I've got the address and size from most people, but yeah, it doesn't hurt to double-check. So thank you so much for that. And with that, I want to give shout-outs to our yeah Eternal Grizzelbrand-tier Patreons, Tommy Hinks, Trent Browers, Testacular, Sebastian Hollager, Guillaume, Jake, and Severin Schwarzhuber. And our Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Victor Benatz, Batshu Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Cockwoods, and Tom Hepp. Your t shirts are gonna be in the mail soon. Callum, um, I'm also gonna have some everyday eternal hoodies, shirts, whatever you want for us. Nice. I think that that's whatever be really I want. Nice.
2: Oh, don't promise me that.
0: Yeah, you can also have a dress if you want to. I want an <laughs> I everyday eternal know. beer i mean yeah whatever you want (laughs) (laughs) also by the way shout out to chris ray and his girlfriend who have helped us out a ton with creating that that new logo and i think we're going to debut that on the new website one once it's going to be ready that's hopefully only going to be a matter of like a four months now exciting oh to kick it off
2: i i I got a picture for you today as well i'm sure people will be happy
0: it's happening holy shit you've been cured of your vampire ness. (laughs) yeah we, so. we could actually like take a picture of you we didn't need somebody to like draw a picture of Callum.
2: <laughs> yeah so um, i'm I'm no longer a uh a tart being thrown in the bin or whatever it was
0: <laughs> you know that i think that actually made it uh, made its way to our uh, twitter profile oh, i'm God. pretty sure yeah yeah, yeah 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 i changed the uh, it changed the twitter banner with nice. our review from the new york times easily the most competent and entertaining legacy podcast out there yeah i, I don't know about that <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> i mean but it's the new york times right <laughs> uh, i would totally
2: believe them obviously
0: Thank you, thank you so much, and see you again next time. Goodbye, everyone. bye <laughs>